Pushkin. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. Digital trends show up every day in business decisions and actions. West Monroe is the number one strategic partner translating technology into financial value for companies. The This Is Digital podcast applies West Monroe's two decades of secrets and best practices to your business's benefit. Favorite past topics from the last three seasons include how AI and the next generation of employees are shaping the workplace, becoming a product company, Highmark's journey, and what does it mean to put the customer first. Learn more at westmonroe.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Phil Donahue. And I'm Arlo Thomas. And we're going on a series of double dates to find out... What makes a marriage last? Some couples you feel like you could just sit around the table with forever. Case in point, Rob and Michelle Reiner. Interesting, smart, and very, very funny. We visited Rob and Michelle at their stunning New England-type home in Brentwood, California, where they've lived for close to 30 years. Before them, it was owned by Norman Lear, whose series All in the Family was Rob's first real acting vehicle. And before that, Henry Fonda lived there. His beautiful rose garden still flowers there each year. Rob's whole life is so steeped in classic Hollywood It would have been impossible for me not to ask about his famous father, Carl, and his mom, Estelle. Your folks were married for a long time. Yes, almost 65 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that has to have an influence on you. Well, yeah. I mean, um, my mother said, and this was when they had their 60th anniversary, and they asked her what the secret was, and she said, find someone who can stand you. (laughs) <laughs> Not somebody you can put up with, somebody who can put up with you. And I think right. that's the key. When you see a role model like that, I mean, I remember your parents very well. They were in our house a lot. And your, and your father loved your mother singing, and she, yeah. he supported it. I mean, he was... Yeah, he was like a roadie. He really was. He would was. set up the, the, the music <laughs> stand. He would, you know, invite the friends. He was like, a, he was like her manager. Yeah. yeah, and we went, and it was, it was adorable. I just you had to love him for yeah. it. Yeah. And what about your family? Were your parents, did you come from a, a, a strong marriage? No. What was Terrible it? marriage. Really? Well, my mother was in Auschwitz and lost her entire family and moved to the States, to Oklahoma of all places, and then moved to New York and 
met my father. They got married very, very quickly, and it, it was a, not a good marriage. So, well, she must no. have had a lot of scars. Yeah, I mean, my God, but well, not not good role models. Yeah, and, and is this is this your first marriage? Yeah. So, how did you get the courage to do it? Um, the beginning didn't start out so well because uh, we were we were going to meet each other, and then it didn't happen. We have a good story, though, of how, okay, you how can tell it's a really good story. Oh, goody, let's hear. Well, because, I, like I said, I've been single for 10 years and um, making a complete and utter mess of my romantic life in and out of different relationships. And that really became the basis for When Harry Met Sally, was the whole idea of men and women and how do, you know, how do they get together and all this. And we were in pre-production and Barry Sonnenfeld uh, was sitting there with me. And I look at this copy of Premier Magazine that's sitting on the table there, and there's a picture on the cover of Michelle Pfeiffer. And I said, you know, I heard she's getting divorced. You know, I had had lunch with her like six months earlier on a professional thing, nothing. And lunch? I, yeah, lunch. And I said, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll give her a call. I don't, you know, I'm like grasping at straws. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I said, maybe I'll give her a call. And Barry says, no, 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 no. You're not going to call her. He says, I have a friend in New York. Her name is Michelle Singer. You're going to marry her. <gasps> he says that, like that. And I said, well, who is she? She says, she's a friend of mine. And she's a photographer. I know. I, and I said, does she smoke? That's all I said. <laughs> because Penny was a big smoker. She smoked like four packs. Of, I mean, she was, I couldn't stand it. Around. And he said, yes. And I said, I don't want to meet her. You know, she hasn't smoked in 30 years. But at the time, she did smoke. And that was that. And he came back to me and he said, do you want to meet Rob Reiner? I was like, okay. You know, and then, I, I mean, I didn't have an opinion one way or the other. And then he came back and he said, you know, well, he's not interested because you smoke. And I was like, okay, fuck it. You know? <laughs> no, seriously. So that, that, was was, that. that was it. I had that was opinion. that. So then months goes by. And now we're going through the picture and we're about three quarters of the way through shooting. And I'm doing the scene on the Upper West Side outdoors. And I look over across the street and I see Susan, Barry's at that time girlfriend. Now they're married. And I said, and there's a very attractive woman standing with her. I said, who's that uh, woman there? And she says, that, that's Michelle Singer. I said, that's Michelle Singer? The smoker. I said, that one? <laughs> I said, what's she doing? And she says, we're, we're just going to go have lunch. When we break, and in five minutes, we're going to go lunch. I said, okay, maybe I'll join you. And I really, I wormed myself into lunch, <laughs> wormed my way in. And now we're sitting at this place, Docks, on the Upper West Side. Michelle is sitting next to Nora Ephron. And I hear over there, Michelle is saying, well, I can make better vichyssoise than this, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, Jesus, she's a, what a bitch, you know? But I'm really attracted to her, you know? <laughs> and so we walk back to the set and I kind of chat her up a little bit and talk and that. And then, you know, she goes and then I say, well, Barry, ask her, maybe I'll ask her if she wants to go out. And he says, okay. So we make a date. We make a date to go to uh, Cafe Luxembourg because I was going to shoot the next day on Monday. This was a Sunday. We get there and we're seated, seated and um, the first thing she says is, look, if this doesn't work out, I don't want this to hurt your relationship with Barry, your friendship with Barry. And I'm thinking, we didn't even order drinks. It's already not working out. And, and I'm sweating. I'm so nervous. She's running to the bathroom every 15 minutes because she knows I don't want smoking and she's going to smoke 
over there and back and forth oh, like this. Gosh. So it was crazy. Anyway, we got through that and then we started seeing each other a little bit. During yeah, but it's like that he's shooting one night and they finished shooting and I go, let's go to this bar on Canal Street and we go to a bar. He's 41 years old. He's never had a drink in his life and he's never ordered a drink in a bar. He didn't know what to order. And I'm thinking, what am I, what's going on here? You know? So he orders a port. I didn't know. I ordered a port. I don't know what it is. I mean, I've been to bars, but I don't drink, you know? So it's anyway. So but then after that, it just, I don't know, it yeah. just clicked and yeah. we never looked back. I mean, seriously, I never had any doubts about it. But yeah, also right. you changed the end of the movie. I did. Because in the in the way we had it initially, it was going to be just um, they were never going to get together. They were going to see each other and then go their separate ways. And then because I couldn't figure out how you ever got with anybody. And then once we started again, I changed it so that they wind up together at the end. Oh, that's so yeah. romantic. Yeah. What did Nora? Did you say to Nora, "Let's rewrite the end"? Yeah, yeah, we rewrote. Yeah. Um, so you go back to LA. I go back to LA, and then I said to her, "Come out. You'll come out and uh, and visit." You know, and so. She came out to visit, I think it was around Thanksgiving or something like that. I can't remember. But, you know, it was the weird thing where we talked every day, you know, every day we would talk, you know, every night. But then there's a thing where you haven't seen somebody in like a month, you know, and your mind is your image. You don't know what the minute you walked off the plane, I was then I was madly in love because I knew, oh, that's that person, that same person. So that's when I knew it was going to be okay. That's lovely. Yeah. How did you know he was the right one? I don't know, because he, I don't know. He just knew. It just felt right. I think we just fell in love right away. And yeah. never, like I said, never looked back. I, and I can't explain it. There's nothing in my history that, you know, showed I was going to have, you know, I had terrible relationships before that. And I was already like 33 years old, you know, it wasn't looking good for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. I can't explain it. When you got married, you were married within seven months of meeting each other? Right. And then it just happened on the spur of the moment because we went to Hawaii just to go on vacation. And, you know, we're sitting there, said, well, you know, maybe we should just get married here. Wow. It was like that. It was very spur of the yeah. moment. It's a big move. It was a really big, I mean, I had to move from New York to California, which is, that was the worst thing ever. <laughs> we, were, we were standing there in Hawaii and we just said, oh, we're okay, you know, let's, uh, maybe we'll do this. And of course, then I got a terrible stomachache. <laughs> I had to drink a lot of Pepto-Bismol after that. But then we said, well, what do you do? I mean, don't we need witnesses or something? And as we're talking about witnesses, a, a, an elderly woman in a motorized cart comes up and looks at me and goes, the Princess Bride was a delight from start to finish. Oh. <laughs> I said, you want to witness a wedding? And she was there having a vacation with a friend of hers from Liverpool, another old lady, and they stood up for us on the beach. <laughs> oh, that's These hilarious. two women. Wow. She was a, a retired a professor from Stanford. Did you, After you did that, did you, was there anything underneath that you still felt, uh, I'm not quite sure about? No. It's not to say there weren't problems at the beginning, you know, you know, family stuff and whatever that we had to go through. What didn't work with the families? Well, the, the, my she wasn't fully accepted. I mean, I mean, they your family, yes, by my family. And why was that? You know, jealous. I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, and I tried for like twenty years to make it work, and it just didn't. They my just father wouldn't. was never like that. Well, uh, Phil's mother was 
a very nasty woman, and uh, she was. She, she was she nasty to you? She she was nasty like around me. In other words, she yeah. wouldn't be mean to me, but she'd say that she hated my house. Or, you know. Well, there you go. <laughs> she That's did. an extension of you, I, of course. But I say to Phil, I don't care, honest to God. I and he was sensitive enough to say, you know, did that hurt your feelings? And I'd say it really, it really didn't. Because I thought she was so mean to him, so critical. Did that bother you that she would do that? Did you feel, let, let me put it this way. Did you feel caught in the middle between your mother and Marlo? Uh, no. I was hurt a lot by my mother. Uh, nothing I, anybody, especially her children, nothing we said was ever validated. You know, I mean, you could say, I'm, I'm tired. And my mother would say, we're all tired. <laughs> That's like Norman Lear when he first got, when they had the first induction into the Television Hall of Fame and it was Walter Cronkite and Lucille Ball and he was in that group and he told his mother, you know, I'm getting this induction into the Hall of Fame and his mother said, well, if that's what they want to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, there's never any kind of acknowledgement. I would say though, because the reason I asked that question because for years I tried to broker uh, rapprochement between you know my original family and now Michelle and all that and I just could never do it I could never do it we'll have more after a quick break chase for business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called the unshakables this one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase, NA member FDIC, 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Did you catch Season 3 of This is Digital? Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including digital lessons from the EV revolution and the chief digital officer's role in disruption and culture, featuring guests like Ekta Chopra of Elf Beauty and Tyson Jomini of J.D. Power. Do you have a digital mindset? Find out by checking out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. We're back to our conversation with Rob and Michelle Reiner. They've been together for more than three decades, which is no small feat in Hollywood. So we wanted to know some of their biggest challenges as a couple. I would say, you know, certain issues with the kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, we have different ways of going about it. I mean, we try to, we're on the same page a lot of times, but a lot of times we have different approaches. And uh, that can be a source of, you know... Like discipline approaches. Discipline and, yeah, those kind of things. I'll give you, I'll give you the perfect example. I'm like the grandfather. It's like when the boys were little, they were like, I don't know, four and six before our daughter was born. And I said, we really need to make, you know, teach them how to make a bed. And our oldest son, Jake, goes, but Daddy, you don't make your bed. And Rob went... You know, he's right. All right, that's it. We don't have to... Yeah. So that, was, that, that was... That's the discipline history of this household. Right, right. And even the kids complain that there's there aren't enough boundaries and that they weren't disciplined enough. And that's something that I got from my parents. My parents didn't discipline me either. But maybe, you know, I didn't act out or whatever. I mean, I don't know what it was, but I never got disciplined. Really? No. And so you just don't understand how why, why you know, it's needed. No, you got your kids. You love your kids, and you know, hopefully, they do the right thing. Are your are your boys slobs? No, no, they're not really. My husband is a slob. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Still to this day. Oh yeah. To this day, uh-huh. the, the 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 towel doesn't get picked up off the floor. I'm better at that. <laughs> I mean, I was I, I'm pretty neat, but she You're said neat. she said to me. Put the towel back, fold it back, and put it on the thing. So I do that now. Right. I mean, the little things. Were... Well, his parents would come into the house, never say hello, never say goodbye. I had to teach him how to say hello how to go, and goodbye. I had to teach him how to tip. I, I mean, all, right? I tip a lot. but Now I mean, you do. Sometimes I forget. I mean, you know, she basically <laughs> ra- helped raise me. That's such a nice thing to say, she, by the way. She did. She did. So, so how do you fight when you fight? How, How very loud. Loud. Very loud. Yeah, two loud Jews <laughs> that, that can go I mean, pretty good. Because fighting is a, a, loud and louder. Is, a big, is a big important thing. When people say, well, we never fight, I go, oh, well, then you're probably so repressed. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and probably not have a good marriage. Right. Because you, you do fight. I right. mean, that's what happens. So, uh, we don't fight a lot, but we do. We so do. when you fight, you both yell. Yeah. A lot of screaming, yeah. Yeah. And, there's, a, there's a quick escalation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it goes from zero to 60 very, very quickly. And, and uh, how, who makes up? I think it's, it's probably even, I would think. Don't you think? Yeah, we're not great know. at it, but we get through it. I usually I walk out of the room. I walk out of the room. That's the big complaint. Yeah, yeah. That's how I go cool off, and then I come back in. And and you're saying there's no way you could like. I I, if if I'm set off, there's no way to you know. Once I'm set off, that's it. I mean that (laughs) then I feel horrible afterwards. And then what happens to me is I feel like I don't want to not be with this person. I can't. That's a horrible thought, you know. So. 
sometimes you, I've, I have crossed the line. It's a horrible thing because you can't unring the bell. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. All you can do is say how much you love somebody and be sorry that, uh, that you did what you did. And that's a, another misnomer. Love is never having to say you're sorry. Bullshit. <laughs> love is always having to say you're sorry if you are. Right. Yeah. Well, when you say you cross the line, do you ever throw out the divorce word? Um, no, I mean, she will say, what do you want, a divorce? She'll say that. <laughs> right. You know? To stop you from being crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll go, I'm not saying that. I'm... <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> no, but that's good. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's emotion. That's passion. Yeah. That's, that's, that's alive. We wake up at three in the morning and start yelling about the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, we're both obsessed with the Kennedy assassination for over 50 years now. Well, it's like it was a conspiracy, right? Yes, it was. That's what yes. I think. No, too. no, it was. I mean, we've done a lot of research. We actually had a project that we're trying to, you know, put together, you know. But we'll get up at three o'clock in the morning. No, wait a minute. The entrance wound was, you know, the grassy knoll, and we're, ta- we're into it, you know, at three in the morning. Go to sleep, will you? No, no, wait a minute. I'm thinking about, that's no, couldn't have, that shot couldn't have come from the book depository. Yeah, of course not. No. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of that. And it's interesting because, you know, we've worked uh, on political things together. We have very similar, exactly the same political take on things. And she's more the driving force than me. I mean, she is, she's what, she's an irate citizen, <laughs> basically. There's just too much injustice in the world, and she wants to fix it all. And, you know, I'm, you know, we work together, we try to find the things we can actually work on, but, but that's where we've always worked very closely together, whether it was marriage equality, which we saw, you know, we know. Started, started the first um, the same-sex you know, marriage yeah, laws the, you got the into. First, yeah. yeah, the first federal lawsuit on that. Or on early childhood, where we passed some legislation here in California to start investment in early childhood. We stopped a, a, a city from being built in the Santa Monica Mountains. You know, we've done a lot of different things. So that's a thing that we always, we, we work well together. I'm impressed with how self-aware you both are. A lot of therapy. <laughs> lots and lots of therapy. Really? That's you Oh, yeah. Together? Um, no. We've done some together, but mostly what I think is that you, each person has their problems and their issues, their neuroses that they bring to the marriage. And the only way you can improve things is to identify your own, you know, work your side of the street. But then ultimately, it's up to each of us to work on that so that we don't bother each other as much right. about, you know, it's not going to be no bother, right. but it'll be hopefully, you know, tempered a little bit. This is weird thing. I don't know what it is, but it's like there are a lot of things that bother me about him. And I'm sure vice versa. Right. But somehow we put up with each other. Right. If it was just a girlfriend, I go, I can't take this anymore. Enough right. of this. You know, I don't know what what that is. I don't know. What makes that work? But Well, because I think there's more things that you love about a person than bothers you about a person. It's funny because I was on the phone with my friend the other day. and We were in the city. And we were talking about the fact that her boyfriend and Rob, it just it doesn't matter what it is. You'll say, I, I just told you that two minutes ago. We were just there five minutes ago. What, what is it? And it's like the same thing. They're, they're, my sister refers to it as domestic ADD. That it's like, 
you know, they can remember the writer, the producer, the thing, where, when, who wrote it, what, da, da. And, and anything like, it's like, honey, where are the diapers? You know, after yeah. the third kid, it's just, it, you know what I mean? I know. It's constant like that. And she said, look, you just have to let it go. And, you know, don't, just know that that's what it's like. And I had just texted him. I was coming from the Lower East Side. I said, can you go out and get some coffee? I'll be there in a couple of minutes. And I walk into the apartment. And I go, did you get the coffee? And he goes, no, I thought we were going together. It's just, it's not even, <laughs> it's just not paying attention. I know. I, know. I, I guess know. you just can't get mad about it anymore. No. Again, I don't know. <laughs> How long have you been married? 30, 30 years. 30? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. really a lot. Yeah. And this yeah. happens on a daily basis. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. So. I hate to be the person who has to edit this. Well, Why? Know. No, it's you fun. Really I, it's really fun. I, I, we've enjoyed it. It's We're learning a lot. We, every time we walk away from a couple, we say... We should do that. That's a really good thing. Or let's never do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, what say. did you learn? Tell me something you've well, learned. Well, I had to work on something, which is I am a, a, a fixer. I, I want to make everything better. Right. Even if you don't want me to. Right? right. So Phil will tell me something. We took This took years. I mean, maybe 15 of our 40 years for him to say to me, I'm going to tell you something now, and I don't want you to say anything, <laughs> and I don't want you to reach for the phone. Right. Just listen to me. I need to tell you this. We, and he just wants you to hear he what want, he's I'm saying. I'm his pal. He wants yeah, to he tell me. he just wants you to hear that, and he doesn't ask you anything That's right. except to just listen, just listen to what I have to I say. I don't want any advice, yeah. and I don't want you to call anybody. Right. I don't want you to do anything. I just want to unload this. And that was, uh, that's extremely hard for me. I mean, you know, your impulse is to make things better for him. Right. And what you have to get to the point is that doing that not, doesn't necessarily make it better right. for him. Right, That what'll make it better for him is for you not to right. do exactly. that. And that's, a, that's, that's, a, a, that's counterintuitive in a, yeah. in a way. It's a com yeah. And that's accommodation. I think we accommodate all, all the time because I know that he's very different than me in a lot of ways, you know? And so what ways? I think we, uh, he can sit on the couch all day and not move and I have to move constantly and keep doing things and be busy all the time. And that's what I like to do. And we're like that. <laughs> well, you're like that. Yeah. Marlo walks in my office. She starts fixing things. <laughs> I mean, putting this here and putting this away and, and talking all the time about something else. I, I mean, she really is a control freak in that way. Yeah. And I'm the, I guess, shanty Irishman, you know. I put something down, it's there for four and a half years. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know where it is. Yeah, it's there. I know. And it's not bothering no, she, me. She likes to keep moving and keep doing. Yeah. And I live a lot in my head. I do live a lot in my head and thinking about stuff and I can be comfortable sitting and just thinking about stuff and that will come out in the work or, you know. There's a divot in the couch where he sits. Yeah. Seriously. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm going to have to send you some But phone. she's great because she sometimes, you know, like we go someplace, she'll push me to go out or whatever and I'm always happy that I did. I think part of it, we let each other be, you know what I mean? It's like, I think that has a lot to do with it. So while he's lumping out on the couch, I'm running around, and he doesn't ever say, come in here, sit with me, where are you going, what are you doing? He just lets me be. Then I let him be. And we, we just, there's sort of a synchronicity, even yeah. though we're on opposite ends of things. So right. I, that's a very comforting thing. Yeah. I think, I think what she said is a big deal. Though. It is. It, it, it's, it's, you get 
a lot of uh, you get a lot of uh, strength from the fact that somebody lets you be who you are. Right. I mean, that's part of it too. You have to accept. You accept the person. If you love them, you're not you're not going to be them. They're not you. You have to accept them and. If you can, that makes another person feel better. Right. Just the fact that you accept them to be whatever they're they're doing. Right. Yeah. There's also a certain kind of ethic values that you comes with, you know, being raised Jewish. I mean, not yeah. religious, but the Jewish yeah. Yeah. ethics of things, right. you know. And also, you know, this the study of the questioning of things, the Talmudic, you know, reasoning and logic and all that. What do you think you get from Rob that you you don't get anywhere else. Well, he's the nicest person I've ever met in my life, and he's the smartest and very talented. You know, I can tell you from my standpoint, I get strength as neurotic as we both are and, and we can be. I never worry that she will be she'll be okay. I mean, she may get upset, she may get hysterical, she may get really upset about something, but underneath, I know she'll be okay. She's going to be okay. And that gives me strength. That's Rob and Michelle Reiner. And that's a solid marriage. They have their differences of styles, but there's no question they're on the same team. And what a fun time we had. Next time I'm awake at 3 a.m., I think I'll give them a call. Until next time, I'm Phil Donahue. And I'm Marlo Thomas. If there was a young couple here, I was about to be married, what have you learned that you'd like to pass on? Find a best friend that you can have sex with. <laughs> That's a good idea. And what about you? I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Double Date is a production of Pushkin Industries. The show was created by us and produced by Sarah Lilly. Michael Bahari is associate producer. Musical adaptations of It Had to Be You by Stellwagen Symphonette. Marlo and I are executive producers, along with Mia Lobel and Lital Molad from Pushkin. Special thanks to Jacob Weisberg, Malcolm Gladwell, Heather Fain, John Schnars, Carly Migliori, Eric Sandler, Emily Rostek, Jason Gambrell, Paul Williams, and Bruce Kluger. If you like our show, please remember to share, rate, and review. Thanks for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 